0: I'm going to give you a chance to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1, 1 through 3, and Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. You can also look it up on your electronic devices, which is what I normally do. Um, we suggest the YouVersion Bible app. It's what I use. It's pretty fantastic. And it's really easy to navigate because it goes in chronological or it goes in alphabetical order. Um, if you're there, we're going to go ahead and go with Ephesians 1, 1 through 3. It's on page... 1224 in the pew Bible Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints of Ephesus the faithful in Christ Jesus grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ in ephesians 2 1 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this, not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. May God bless the reading of his word.
1: Well, I want to say uh, thank you to our praise team for leading those beautiful songs. and I want to say thank you to all of you for singing out, because especially after I sat down, I could hear your voices coming at me, And that's something we've been talking about a lot lately, that you know, even though our culture is not big on, on singing you know, in public singing together and things like that, that God's people have always been big about that, and so regardless of the culture, and so uh, something that we're striving to grow in and, and kind of get used to around here is, uh, there, you know, it says over and over again in Scripture how uh, vital it is that we sing with one another. Uh, the praises of God and so thank you for doing that with us today we're launching into a, a new series if the intro sounded familiar you're not crazy, you're not losing your mind at least not about this and uh, it, we did a series last fall called People of the Way it looked very much the same and uh, it looked at a particular church a particular group of Jesus followers in the city the ancient city of Ephesus Ephesus and that's in modern day Turkey. So even though it was you know, a church that existed 2,000 years ago, and even though it's 6,000 miles away, we found a lot in common with this group of Jesus followers from the very first generation. Uh, one of the very first churches ever planted by an Apostle by the Apostle Paul, and, and it was, uh, I don't know about you, but for me it was one of the most impactful message series we've done, is it just kind of felt like we connected with this group of believers from the very beginning, and, and so, so many of their struggles were uh, struggles we could identify with, and so forth, and so if you are interested at all, you know you can go back and you can listen to that series from last fall, just called People of the Way, Uh, But if we're going to be people of the way, then we need to walk in that way, right? If if we're going to be identifying ourselves with Jesus, then we need to be walking the Jesus way. And so what we want to do today is look at the letter, uh, and over the next few weeks, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to that church in Ephesus. It's creatively titled Ephesians, (laughs) because it was the letter to the church in Ephesus, and In that letter, he outlines the Jesus way. He talks about it both in kind of broad terms and some specific things. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is is look at some of the big themes, the foundational principles or values, whatever you want to call them, of the Jesus way. You know, It won't necessarily be really specific things, but rather broader things like today when we talk about walking in humility. And we'll also talk about walking in love and walking as worthy and walking in wisdom and in power. And these themes that if we, if we can wrap our mind and ultimately our lives around these ways, then we will begin to look more and more like Jesus. And we'll begin to do more and more of the things that Jesus would do And this is ultimately what it means to follow Jesus. It's to walk in the way. You know, we just want to be ordinary people living an extraordinary way. Now, it's important to mention that the Apostle Paul didn't just dream these things up, these ways that he was passing on to the Ephesians. He got them. Ultimately, from Jesus Christ himself, who not only taught these ways, but modeled them for us. And, and when we talk about humility, I mean, there's so many things you could say about the way Jesus was so humble. But one of the ways that stands out to me from the very beginning of the Gospels is the time that Jesus walked down to the Jordan River. John the Baptist had been baptizing in that river. He had been calling people to repentance. He had been telling them that the Messiah was coming. The chosen one of God was coming. And they needed to get ready for him by repenting from their sinful ways, leaving that behind, and and getting their lives in order, basically, so that they're ready for the Messiah to come. Well, then one day Jesus walks up and John says, You know, behold, (laughs) the Lamb of God. Here he is. This is the guy I've been telling you about. And, and Jesus walks down into the river. And I wonder if John wasn't expecting him to say something like Alright John, thank you. You've done your job well. Time for me to take over now. And, uh, and we're going to start by baptizing you. Because you need repentance too. I, I don't doubt that that's exactly what John had in his mind. But what Jesus said instead didn't just take him by surprise. I would suggest to you today that what Jesus said next was scandalous in the minds of the listeners there in that place because what Jesus said was, John, I want you to baptize me. Now, that would be embarrassing for John because he had been saying all along, you people need to get your act together Because when the Messiah comes, he's going to hold you to a higher standard. He's going to separate the chaff from the wheat. He's going to, it's going to be on, you know. Judgment day is coming. And the Messiah is going to be holy. And he's going to come up here and he's going to say, look, you're not living right. And so you better get your life straight now. For the Messiah to come down and say, I want you to baptize me as a sign of repentance. Jesus was identifying with the sinners. The very people John had been preaching to that they'd better get ready for the Messiah. This did not make sense to John. But then John didn't know what we know. And what we would ultimately find out. He didn't understand the power of humility. And in that moment Jesus chose to identify with sinners, even though he wasn't one of them. Jesus chose humility. And it's been part of the Jesus way ever since. I believe this is a critical message for the church today and also for our world. For those who've been in the church a long time, and for those who are still trying to figure out if they'd want to be a part of the church. Still trying to figure out what it would look like if they were going to follow Jesus. This is a big one. It's one we struggle with, because for a lot of us, we have a hard time admitting that our ways aren't the best ways, or that what we think is best may not be best. That there may be some higher standard or higher source of wisdom than our source of wisdom or what's popular in our world today for others of us we have a hard time admitting that we don't have it all together you know that church people are notorious for this right we come, we come on Sunday and we make sure that we look like and sound like we've got it together and the Jesus way is a way of humility that walks down to the Jordan River It says, baptize me as well. It's a different sort of way. And I want to suggest to you that it's foundational to the Jesus way. And if you want to walk in this way, this is where you've got to start. Because if you can't begin to grow in humility you're going to find it to be a tough row to hoe the rest of the way. All the other things that we'll talk about that are aspects of the Jesus way are just really hard to live out if there's not humility there first. And so let's talk about walking in humility today. We read a passage a little bit ago from that letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus and I, want to, I don't usually do a lot of Greek stuff, partly because I don't really know Greek, partly because I have a hard time pronouncing the words, and partly because I figure, uh, you know, as long as we get to the meaning of it, you probably don't care about what the actual Greek word sounded like. But sometimes I think it is helpful to, to look at Greek words, especially in cases where they get translated kind of funny. Because we've got to remember that the original New Testament... These documents were not written in English. Not even Old English, right? <laughs> not even the these and the thous. That wasn't original. And so it was actually in the language of Greek. An ancient Greek language. And so, sometimes in translation, some of the nuances get missed. Some of the things that they did for emphasis. you know. And, and this is one of those cases. There, there's two Greek words that I thought we'd just pull out today. Because I really think that they help get Paul's point across he uses these two words twice in this passage we read today but each time they get translated in different differently from each other and so uh, so I just thought it would help pull out the what he's doing here if we recognize that these are actually the same words used twice and so the first word is peripateo everyone just say it for fun peripateo someone said potato that was not it Peripateo means way. As in to make your way. Or to make progress towards something like you know, maybe think of pilgrim's progress if you're familiar with that story, the classic, you know, analogy of, of Christian making his his progress in the spiritual life. You know, that kind of way. And, and the second one, Aeon. <laughs> Alright, try it out. Aeon. Hey, that was pretty good you know, I, when I hear that word, the word that comes to mind from our language is eon, or eons. It comes from this. Age, not like how old are you, but like the ages, you know, the, uh, a span of time. So, a eon has to do, it's very similar to eons, a span of time, that kind of thing. And Paul uses these two words twice each and so we run into one we'll look at peri first that talks about the way and so he said as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed or weighed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient okay so there was a certain way you used to live it also comes up at the very end of that passage where he says we are God's handiwork created in Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do which is to weigh, to walk in that way. You know? So it's very much you know, the same idea as the title of our series, Walking in the Way. You used to walk in one way, now you walk in a different way. Does this make sense? He's, it's the same word, even though one says followed, and one says do, it's this idea, he's contrasting these two ideas of the way that you used to walk, the way that you're supposed to walk now and this is further contrasted by the use of Aeon which I find this humorous <laughs> in the New International version that, that we have in our our seats here and that we use typically on Sunday morning, the word that means way, they translated followed, and the word that means ages, they or times, they translated ways. Go figure. But the same idea gets across says, so in which you used to live when you followed, weighed the ages of this world, the present age, if you will. The this world's age. The present times. Okay, So that's one set of times. The other time he uses that is when he says God raised, Jesus up, uh, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And so, what we have here is two Greek words, each used twice. First one is used to describe the way that we used to live and the way that we were created to live in Christ. The second one is, talks about the present age and a coming age. The, the times that we live in now... And the the age of this world, which is going to pass away according to Jesus, and the age to come, which is in progress now, but isn't going to be fully realized until he returns. So the present age and the coming age. And each of those ages has a certain way. (laughs) And we as followers of Jesus are supposed to start living the way of the coming age now. Instead of continuing to live in the present age. The way that we used to live in. Does that make sense? So he uses the same words twice to bring out a contrast of the way that we're supposed to live as Christ followers versus the way that we used to live and the way that the world operates. And not only that, but Paul tells us a little bit about what the, what the way of life of this current age looks like. I think he's spot on. He says, All of us also lived among them at one time in the present age, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. I mean, I don't know. I look around and I'd say that's exactly the wisdom of our world. That's exactly what gets preached in our media and by celebrities and by politicians and by bloggers and by everybody out there. Things like, you just need to pursue you know, who you are. You need to pursue your own happiness. You need to pursue your desires and your passions. You know, If you were born with them, then they must be God-given. So just follow after those and that's where you'll find happiness and being who you are. You know, are you oriented this way? Do you have desires over here? You know, it doesn't matter what other people might say. It doesn't matter what anyone else might say. You are you, and you need to fulfill and gratify the cravings of your flesh. They don't obviously call it cravings of your flesh. That's a Paul term. But, you know, the things that you desire, the things that, the passions in your heart that you know, you didn't have a choice in, you just had those, and so if you're gonna find happiness in this life. And and after all, we all know that we are the only ones in charge of our own happiness and looking out for our, our own happiness, and so no one else is gonna do it. You've got to go do it. That's the wisdom of the world. But Jesus and Paul would say those things that we're born with, those passions and desires, are not necessarily God given and we should be able to tell this without even needing Jesus to tell us because we can look around and see well I mean we don't even have to look that far do we we can just look inside and we know that not all of the passions and the desires of our hearts are kind or good or loving or helpful to others are they? not even helpful to ourselves in many cases But there are, I mean, we know that there are people who are born with predispositions to different things. That doesn't make them God-given, does it? I mean, there are people who are born with, genetically, a predisposition to alcoholism. Is that God-given? There are people who are born with, you know, they say, I have always been attracted to children. Pedophiles say this, as long as I can remember. They didn't have a choice in how they felt, they had a choice in what they did about it. But was that desire god-given? No. And people are born with, uh, you know, all kinds of lusts and things, and the ones that don't rein those in, they end up being harassers in the workplace, they end up being rapists. Is this god-given this desire in their heart? No. We know this. But this is the world's wisdom is that, you know, just gratify. It has always been. It was this way in Jesus' day as well. It might have looked different than in our world. Certain things might have been culturally unacceptable then that are culturally acceptable now. Some things that were culturally acceptable then may not be culturally acceptable now. That changes with the times. You know, what popular wisdom is about what's good and what's not good, that changes all the time. So, Paul says, it always has to do with this, though. And all of us once lived in it. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. We didn't all do that the same way. But that's where we all start as humans. And so he calls that the present age, or the present times. The way of that way of life but he also talks about a different way a way in which we are created or recreated born again maybe you could even say with new passions and new desires and new cravings that we are born with when we are born in Christ and then we walk in a different way doing the good things that he had prepared for us to do It's a huge contrast. Two very different ways of life. And it takes great humility to really own what Paul is saying there. It takes great humility. And not many people are able to do it. Because if you're going to accept what Paul is saying, then the first thing you have to do is you have to have the humility... To accept your own sinfulness. That's what we have to have the humility to say at first. Is that is to just admit that what I thought was right and what I thought was good for me might not actually always have been what is good and right. And there aren't many people in the church or out of the church that are honestly willing to say yeah, I got it wrong a lot. <laughs> My ways maybe aren't the best ways. What you know what all my friends and what all of my family say is good and wise, it might not actually be good and wise. That takes a lot of humility to own that our ways are not only wrong but destructive. It also requires the humility to admit that we can't out good our bad and so many of us we've just got to be in control right we've just we've got to get it done so you know if okay if we can be humble enough to accept our own sinfulness then our next problem is we're not quite humble enough to really realize that we can't fix it that we don't have the strength the power in our own ability to outgood our bad we would prefer for it to be within our control, our destiny, in our own control. And so we want, okay, if I was doing bad before, I'm going to do good now and I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make it right. But watch what Paul says. And this time I didn't have to tell you the Greek word because they translated the same word both times. So you don't have to expand your brain anymore today. Just leave it at peripateo and aeon and you're good. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. that's what grace is, right? Not by, say it, works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Same word, works. Again, use the same word to create a different sort of contrast to make the point that you cannot fix your situation by works, by what you do and again, so that no one can boast this is about humility basically what Paul is saying here is you weren't saved by works you were saved for works and that's a big difference because if you believe that you were saved by works, then you do have something to boast about, right? I mean, you've got it figured out. Jesus might have had to die for somebody, but that somebody was not you. Because you did good enough, good job, to get an A on your paper at the end of life. And, and to pass the class. And so, you weren't say, you know, that's Paul's point. Is Look, you've got to be humble enough to accept that you can't outgood your bad. You're never going to be saved by your works. But when you are saved by grace, you're saved for a purpose. There's a purpose waiting for you. Paul said, God prepared these things in advance. I would suggest to you that He prepared them at the beginning, at creation. He had a certain way lined out that was good. We chose our own way instead and we've been doing that ever since and he still keeps coming back and saying, I have a way that's better if you'll choose it. It's waiting for you. But it starts with us humbling ourselves. See, until you accept how wrong your ways are Until you have the humility to accept how wrong your ways are, you'll never be ready to explore how right His ways are. That's just the way it works. It's just another way of saying, until we get this piece right, the walking in humility, until we can accept that and begin to grow in that, we'll never be able to really grow into all the other ways of following Jesus all those things that God has prepared for us to do the good things it starts with humility with accepting how wrong our ways are there's a proverb an ancient proverb and you it's in the book of proverbs these things are creatively named it says there is a way which seems right to a man but its way is the end is the way of death its end is the way of death there's a way that seems right to us to humans it seems right to us but in the end it leads to death Jesus came with a different sort of way but we have to accept we have to have the humility to accept how wrong our ways are before we can accept his better way and live into that I don't know where you're at today I suspect that we're all in different places and, and maybe some combination of these but probably there's some here today that just need to have the humility to see the world's wisdom for what it is you know, the world, like I say every time you turn around something that used to be unacceptable is now acceptable something that used to be acceptable is now unacceptable and, and it's ever shifting and ever winding and it's going to always be that way we come full circle. I mean, just look through human history. Uh, the things that are now becoming acceptable again are used to be acceptable a long time ago. You know, And then they went out of style, and then they're back in style. And people say, yes, this is good for society. And then they say, no, this is bad for society. And, and that road just keeps on weaving and winding. Which ought to be a sign to us that we don't have a clue. <laughs> when left to our own devices and our own wisdom you know, the world's just, it's a fickle place. And if you put your hope in what the world says is right, you're going to find that changing all the time. And if you just go with what's popular, that's easy. After all, it's popular. But it may not be right. So maybe today you need the humility to accept that there might be a higher standard One that doesn't shift with the changing of times. One that keeps on saying the same thing. No matter the culture. No matter the age. Or maybe, maybe you're here today and and where this message hits you is that you need to get off your moral high horse. (laughs) because your tendency is is to look down your nose at people who don't have it together as as good as you do you know who are living an immoral life by your standards or even by god's standards it makes me think of you know what god used to he used to send prophets to israel when they would be mistreating foreigners and and slaves and things like that he'd send a prophet and say Hold on just a second here. Aren't you the same people who were slaves and foreigners in Egypt and I showed you kindness and I rescued you out of that and now you're going to mistreat people the same way that you complained about being mistreated before I rescued you? You know, <laughs> I showed you that kindness and you're not showing that kindness in return? Hold on a second. And I feel like that's what he's saying to us when we look down our nose at someone and we say oh you know I'm, I'm better than, can you believe what they're doing? Oh my goodness. Pathetic. They're ruining their lives. I'll just sit back and watch. <laughs> and God's saying did you forget where you came from? Did you forget from what I rescued you? And see, I think this is easier for us to forget than it was for the Ephesians to forget 2,000 years ago because the vast majority of them were first generation Christians. They literally received the gospel for the first time that it had ever been proclaimed in their culture, in their area, in their world. Many of us... We look back to generations before us who, you know, maybe imperfectly, but they tried to live God's way. And maybe you had had parents that raised you up in the ways of of God and you never really had like a big rebellious time. And and then it's really easy to sit back and think that you've got it together, that, that you are better or superior to other people who are so immorally bankrupt. But that just means we've got to look back a little further and still remember where we would be if not for the grace of God. And where our family tree would be if not for the grace of God. If that, you may not know him, but there's some great-grandfather whose life was a broken mess and the gospel got a hold of him and it changed your entire family tree... And you need to remember who you would be if not for the grace of God. And have a little humility in the way that we view and see others. Or maybe you're here today and you've never really been saved at all. And you realize now that there's just never been enough humility there to come to Christ. No matter where you're at today... No matter what group or where you find yourself in your spiritual journey, the, the, the path to humility is always the same. Confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. It's what we do when we first come to Christ. It's necessary because they taught us Jesus and his apostles, that if we believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, the only right way to respond to that is to repent. And that means admitting that our ways were wrong and turning to a new way of life, his way of life. It, it, so that, that is what it means to come to Jesus. It's, it's turning to his new way of life, leaving your old behind. So that is confession and repentance. That's what those fancy words mean. But confession and repentance... For many of us we may, we may have done it when we first came to Christ when we first prayed a prayer but it hasn't been a part of our Christian walk since then the way it should and we know it should because Jesus taught us to pray didn't he he, he modeled a prayer for us when you pray you should pray like this and part of that prayer was forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us And so we know that it's supposed to be part of our prayer life, confession and repentance. And when we practice that, we should never have a problem with walking in humility. Because we'll be constantly reminded that God's still working on us. Remember, we're following the one who walked down to the Jordan River and he identified with sinners even though he wasn't one and we should never be above walking down to the waters of repentance ourselves if Jesus could do it surely we could do it you know John the Baptist might have been shocked by that but it was because he didn't have the hindsight that we now have because What Jesus did at that Jordan River when he walked down and said baptize me too was just a small sampling of what was to come. Because ultimately he wouldn't just identify with us in baptism. He would take our place on the cross and bear our sins and all the consequences for all the wrong choices and the wrong ways of life that we had lived. And he would take the consequence for that on himself. That's humility. And that is the Jesus way. It's at the heart of the Jesus way. And so we also know that there is power in humility. The world doesn't see it. The world sees humility as weakness more often than not. But we know the truth because the most humble man to ever walk this earth proved that humility has the power to save has the power to change lives to change hearts if you learn to walk in humility you will find that it will change your life you will find that it will change your family your workplace your schools If you will learn to walk in humility if we all do I think it could change our world. What do you think? Humility already has because of what Jesus did. So let's walk in humility. Let's walk in the way. Let's pray together. Father we thank you for your way for Jesus who taught it to us for Jesus, who modeled it for us. We admit how completely worthless and wrong our ways are. What a mess we've made of our world by chasing after our own passions and desires. Holy Spirit, put new passions, put your desires in our hearts, as we humble ourselves to walk in your ways. Amen.